25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 Y sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Friday. Yeah, buddy. You made it to the end of the week. At this point, we're just knocking them off. Check, check, check. Another week, another week, another week. We're closer to sports. We're closer to ball games. We're closer to solutions and answers. And the end of all this, with every day and with every week that goes by, one step closer to the solution. What's up, everybody? Hope you're uh, off to a good Friday so far. I guess we're now officially into the what is technically Friday afternoon, as it is one minute afternoon. <laughs> so welcome to the afternoon. You made it to Friday afternoon uh, as well. Hope you're uh, having a good Friday. You're welcome to be a part of the show today. I hope I get to hear from you in several different ways. On the Country Pleasing text line, it is 885-ESPN. So y'all... Uh, text me there, 885-ESPN. I'll take a look at the text line throughout the show today, so y'all hit me up. Call me on the Divinity phone, the number 995-1059. It's open to you, so give me a shout, 995-1059. It's always nice, too. Again, I've, I've mentioned this several times in recent weeks, but the new interface that I have for the live streaming stuff, so we, we, we what do you call it, simulcast or dual stream all at one time on Twitter, Periscope, and on Facebook, and have a way to see all the comments coming into one place from both of those streams, and it's always neat to see everybody popping up at the beginning of the show, just just popping up all over the place. So uh, hey to Lynn and David and Danny and Dorothy and everybody who's tuning in and commenting already on Facebook. People are saying happy Maroon Friday. I am wearing my Maroon shirt from the Mississippi State University Golf Course. You can get one there. They are Hail State GC on Twitter. Somebody also mentioned my country-pleasing hat. I got the lime green. Well, it ain't lime. It's really neon green. The the green back, gray front, red hog version right there. It says country-pleasing across the back and a red hog on the front. So thanks uh, for the hat. So y'all text me. Got some text here on the country-pleasing text line. 885-ESPN, or if you need the number, 885-3776. Happy to be with you on this Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes, local insurance agents in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. Available for you 24-7. They'll give you a cell phone number. You just hit them up when you need them. Hey to Jai and LaShawn and Linda and Roshana and everybody. Roshana says on Facebook uh, that she watched the 99 Egg Bowl yesterday on ESPNU. That was a heck of a game. CJ is still open. Wayne Madkin found CJ Sermon's late score. And then, of course, the, the kick and the pick. Robert Bean made a play on the ball, kicked it up in the air inadvertently. It was picked. 
by Eugene Clinton, who returned it into field goal range. Scott Westerfield knocked it through with a Rob Morgan hold and a Paul Mooney snap. And the rest, as they say, is history. And the year of the comebacks, 1999 for State. The regular season ended with another one of those comebacks. Thanks for the memory. All right. Bev on Twitter is saying uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah, happy early Mother's Day. Don't forget, boys and girls, this is Mother's Day weekend. So you have that coming up as well. I want to give you the high points of the schedule. I'm going to do that. They put the NFL schedule out there last night. Saints fans, Cowboys, um, you got any new, brand new Buccaneers fans? We know how the, the whole bandwagon thing works. Look, the Buccaneers are in prime time. I told you it would happen yesterday. Just, I mean, you knew it was going to happen. I'm going to give you the high points. I'm not going to go through all of it. But there's certainly some eye-opening things, and there's one theme in all this, a greater meaning. So we'll look at specific things in the NFL schedule they released. You know, particularly we're going to look at it for you Saints fans, and there's a bunch of y'all listening. We'll do that real quick, but there is a greater theme in all this, a greater meaning if you pay attention to the clues they gave you in the way that they set up the schedule for the NFL. I'm going to do that in like three minutes. First up, Micah on the Country Pleasing text line is out in Texas listening to the show online. He said, happy Maroon Friday, Hail State. Same to you, Micah. Ghost Pepper said, Matt, if a decision is made not to play NFL preseason games, how will that affect the player evaluation process as it pertains to players getting cut? Well, I would think, okay, if they eliminate the games, they're still going to have practices. They wouldn't have the joint practices, most likely, if they're also going to eliminate the preseason games, I guess, if they're going to do that. But Ghost Pepper, here's the thing. Um it will have an effect. Yes. It eliminates some opportunities when some of these undrafted free agents go in there and make a team, all that kind of stuff. I think what it does is it, you know, it it probably, it probably definitely leans towards the known quantity players versus the unknown. And so like what I'm saying is you're talking about evaluation. If you don't have the games, you don't get all the special teams work for the rookies in the third and fourth quarters and all that kind of stuff. So coaches are going to have three, four years of film on this veteran player who's now on his second team who's actually played in NFL games. And, and we may actually like this undrafted rookie out here better. It's just we have no film. We don't really know. So for this year, we're not going to take a flyer on that new unproven player. We're just going to go with the known quantity. We know we kind of know what this guy is. And since we haven't had the games, and I know that's what you're pointing to. So I think it it would lend itself towards veteran players having a job versus brand new players going in there and taking a job. That's kind of the way I feel about it. The other side of that, though, it will balance out, though, Ghost Pepper, because I think without the preseason games, um, there will be more opportunities probably during the season for these practice player guys and undrafted free agent guys to actually get a shot on the roster every now and then. I think you might have a few more injuries here and there with you know, less ramp-up time than what the players are used to. But that's just a theory on that part of it. Jason in Flagstaff says, It's 10 a.m. here, and Chris Brooks has already got my red up. What does that mean? <laughs> What's that all about? 
And then uh, Rusty on the country pleasing text. I don't know if it's all the COVID-19 nonsense or the weathered, but today feels like everything caught up with me. Check on your people. Make sure they're okay. You know, I, I don't know where you are. I just know where I live in North Mississippi. We've had uh, big-time thunder, lightning early this morning, lots of rain, so on and so forth. Okay, let's get into the schedule. And I understand not everybody is a Saints fan. In fact, Jeff commented on the Facebook feed just a second ago and said, Browns fan here. I didn't expect that. But he's a Browns fan. He said, you heard it right, a Browns fan in Mississippi. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, well, we've got fans of every NFL team within the listing area, and I get that. But probably, I mean, wouldn't we agree, probably a majority New Orleans Saints fans in this area, I'd say a majority of our NFL diehards around here, Saints fans, that kind of thing. So, as we look at the schedule that got released last night, let's start out with a little who dat. Why not? You know you like that. Next, I have a Super Bowl now. Who that? So, first up, just like the rumor that was floated yesterday and made its way to this radio show, it was true. It actually happened. They put game number one. In the Superdome, in New Orleans, division ball game, Saints hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady week one. I don't remember. I could go back and find it. I think it was on the Facebook stream yesterday that someone commented, but it actually might have been on the uh, text line here on the show. Again, I could go back and, and search. I haven't done it, but somebody, you know who you are. You texted us, messaged us, and said, hey, Matt, there's a rumor out there. This was yesterday at about this time. There's a rumor out there that when the schedules comes out, that week one it'll be Saints hosting Tom Brady in a Sunday afternoon, like the main national broadcast Sunday afternoon. And sure enough, that's what they did. And I told, it made perfect sense. You knew good and well that Tampa was going to have a bunch of primetime stuff, especially early with all the interest, and not only Tom Brady, but Gronk there, and Tom with a new team, and all these storylines. You knew that was going to happen. And so week one for the Saints is on that Sunday. It'll be the afternoon time slot, the 3.30 time slot on Fox. Sunday, September 13th. Pay attention to these early season deals. We'll flip it over there in a minute and kind of look at some other things. I think that's probably the biggest storyline out of all the stuff in week one. Yeah, you got, you know, defending Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs taking on a really good Texans team, hosting them on Thursday night to open the season. But that Sunday, primetime afternoon, it's Tampa, Tom Brady at the Saints in the Dome. It'll be incredible. Should be. Again, we, well, Matt, are they going to have fans? We'll find all that out. I'm just looking at it on face value for right now, saying, okay, the NFL plans to start the season. Let's just assume it goes off without a hitch. This is what you're going to get. Also, in that opening weekend, you know, the Sunday night game is Cowboys at Rams with the Rams opening their new stadium. So, um, the week one, I mean, all the primetime stuff, week one, Thursday night, the prime afternoon on Sunday, 
the Sunday night on NBC. It's good. All right, so the rest of the Saints deal. I think the Saints have maybe the, the most interesting opening stretch of anybody in the NFL when you look at it. See, and as much of a story, I've how far back do we have to go? As soon as Tom Brady went to Tampa, what did I start saying about the NFC South on this show? It's the most interesting division in football. It used to always seem to be the NFC East, Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, Redskins, always. You know, drama on and off the field, all that stuff. But as soon as Brady goes, now it's NFC South because you've got last dance, last chance for the dynamic duo of Drew Brees and Sean Payton in New Orleans. Now you got Tom teaming up with Arians, a new team in Tampa. Now they've got Gronk. At the same time, Teddy Bridgewater, Saints hero last year, 6-0 with Drew Hurt. Bridgewater's now the quarterback in Carolina, same division. You got Todd Gurley making a move over to Atlanta. It's just the most interesting division. So while TV kind of leans towards Tom Brady, a lot of this is leaning towards the Saints also. Here's what I mean by that. Week one of the NFL schedule, Saints hosting Tom Brady. 3 o'clock on Fox on Sunday. Week 2, Saints at Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday night football. And week 3, Sunday night football on NBC primetime with Al Michaels and um, what's his name? Chris Collinsworth is Saints hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The New Orleans Saints have the most interesting three-week stretch to open the NFL season of anybody out there. So as much as I can point to Tampa getting thrown into some time to, primetime stuff, and they have, you can also point to the Saints and go, look, the NFL knows those first three weeks, it's all about the Saints. Saints hosting Tom Brady in week one. Week two, they're the Monday night matchup in Las Vegas in that new stadium out there. And then week three, back in the Dome on Sunday night football, hosting the Green Bay Packers. The most interesting three-week stretch at the start of the season belongs to the Saints. The other high points of their schedule without going through all of it, y'all can look at it. You have the Chargers... Um, Drew Brees' old team with a potentially a rookie quarterback coming to New Orleans in the middle of October, right before the Saints will have a bye week. Out of the bye, they have one week left there where they'll play a division game in October. Then they get into their November-December schedule. A ton of tough road games, including at Chicago and at Tampa back-to-back in early November. That trip out to Denver... We'll see what the weather is. It may be okay, but they go to the Broncos on November the 29th. Afternoon game, 3 o'clock game. Not a night game, but still a 3 o'clock game at the Broncos on November the 29th. So, you know, may or may not be snow. Two weeks later, they will go to Philadelphia. The toughest stretch of the entire season that was released last night for the Saints is on the back end of their schedule. The toughest stretch from the last week of November 
and into late December. Listen to the five-game closing stretch for the New Orleans Saints. They better make some hay early. November 29th at Denver. The next week, December 6th at Atlanta. The next week, December 13th at Philadelphia. The next week, December 20th, hosting Kansas City. And then finishing the season on Friday, Christmas Day, the 25th, hosting the Vikings. And I'm wrong. They actually have, they finished the season on January 3rd with a road trip to Carolina. So if you look at the last six games, four of the last six are on the road for New Orleans at Denver, at Atlanta, at Philadelphia, and at Carolina. And congratulations, your two home games in that final stretch are the Chiefs and the Vikings. Good gracious, a tough, tough finishing stretch for New Orleans. And it will be. Again, if everything goes off without a hitch. Plenty to get into on the ifs there. All right, in regards to Tampa, they're obviously in a key slot week one. They go to New Orleans 3 o'clock on that Sunday afternoon. Um, they don't have a ton of, you know, the the what would you call like, I guess, primetime Sunday night stuff or Monday night stuff. Eh, you know, they really kind of throw the trash games on Monday night uh, or have a lot recently, but they don't have a Thursday night game, anything like that early in the year until Thursday, October the 8th, a month into the season, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers will go to Chicago and uh, for a Thursday night game. It'll be on Fox. They get a Thursday night slot, but that's, like you said, that's week five, so a good month into the season for the Buccaneers. That week one schedule is interesting. Now, somebody texted in and, and brought up the preseason. I'm going to come back over to the text line here shortly. Somebody brought up the NFL preseason. You probably already knew this. We'll see if it happens. But the Hall of Fame weekend, which is going to be the first NFL preseason game, it's supposed to be Steelers versus Cowboys on Thursday, August the 6th. Okay, that's supposed to be the Hall of Fame game on NBC. Again, whether or not it happens, who knows. But if it does happen, you get to that point, first week of August, we always look forward to that first NFL preseason game. It gives you some live football to watch. People really get geared up for that. There's a possibility it may happen. Uh, we'll see. But week one, now I want to go to the overall idea. Just let me give you a, a quick clue. The NFL, instead of backloading the schedule with some of these key matchups of returning players and all this kind of stuff, with the idea that, well, you may have early games canceled, so let's make sure we schedule you know, Brady at Saints later in the year. They didn't do that, right? It's early in the year. It is a clue that the NFL, I think, really expects to start their season on time. It's different than college football. The way they put all these great, you know, and primetime matchups and scheduled it right off the front of the season shows me that the NFL really believes they're going to start on time this year. And if they cancel games and stuff, it might be later in the year when all this, you know, flu stuff, well, not flu, but coronavirus stuff may make a resurgence later in the year. So week one, you get defending champion Chiefs hosting the uh, Houston Texans on Thursday night. We mentioned Saints, Buccaneers Sunday. That's, you know, the game really, I think, for anybody, week one. 
you get week one Dallas opening in Los Angeles at the Rams in their new stadium on Sunday night football. And then you get a Monday night doubleheader in week one, which is going to be Pittsburgh at Giants. Pretty cool. And you're going to get Tennessee at Denver. That's going to be your Monday night doubleheader to start uh, the season. You get a division matchup uh, pretty much everywhere except for just a few spots. In week one, you get Eagles at Redskins, week one. You get Dolphins at New England, week one. You get Green Bay at Minnesota, week one. You know, if the NFL, tell me this, if the NFL was incredibly worried that they weren't going to get to play the week one games, would they have scheduled it this way? Would they have scheduled Green Bay at Minnesota week one? Eagles at Redskins. You know, Buccaneers at Saints week one. Would they? I, I don't think they would have. And that's just kind of the way I look at it. All right. I'm going to get to some of your feedback, and then I want you to hear what some of these NFL folks, including Cam Jordan of the Saints, Andy Reid of the Chiefs, what some of these guys said after their schedule was released last night. I'll get to your feedback as well. Just getting started with you on a Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. Stick around. show let's go continuing the conversation hi to everyone watching the periscope live feed the uh folks on facebook hey appreciate you watching on facebook facebook.com slash radio wyatt you can watch the uh, live stream of the show there just about every day maybe not every single solitary day but just about every day david commented on facebook and said until dak went to the cowboys he was a big saints fan he still roots for the saints however but Dak goes to the Cowboys and makes us watch all the Cowboys. And I've been that way, you know, kind of been following the Chiefs my whole life. I've always been interested in really, you know, just football. But I certainly was never a Dallas Cowboys fan. But I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't a Cowboys fan ever since Dak went there. I've watched, I guess, I, I mean, this past season might be the first year since Dak went into the NFL that I might have missed one of his games on television. There have been a few that I had to, you know, record maybe on a Sunday night and come back and watch it later, things like that. But I watch every single one of them with great interest, pull for him every time. Big Dak fan, I admit it too. I think there's a lot of us that way. You know, and I think there for a long time, there were a ton of Giants fans, it seems like, in uh, Mississippi because of Eli Manning. You know, for Ole Miss fans, they'd never really, much of it never pulled for the Giants before. They might have, but a lot of them hadn't. But as soon as Eli went there, they watched every game he played. And I totally get it from a Mississippi State perspective. Same thing with Dak uh, in Dallas uh, for me. 
Hey, over here just a minute ago while we were kind of going through some of the schedule stuff, and, and there's so much there. So any questions you have, y'all hit me with them. Here on the uh, Divini, excuse me, on the uh, Country Please and Text Line, Frank Del Tank, Frankus Del Tankus. Messed it up. There you go. Frankus Del Tankus. Maybe his name is Frank the Tank. He says, obviously, the NFL expects big things from the Houdat Nation. Lots of primetime exposure. And then right after that, P-Town Chris said, Saints Bucks in an empty stadium. And look, an empty Superdome. You may have that. We don't know. They might play those early season games in the NFL without fans. We'll get into it later, but Major League Baseball expects that. Baseball is going to start soon. Y'all can just go ahead and write that in ink. Major League Baseball is going to be playing games really soon. But there's, I think, an increased likelihood that since they're starting and will be starting earlier than football will, they're not going to have fans in there for a lot of the baseball games. And and it may depend on what part of the country the game is in. So who knows? Maybe that's the case. Blair from Brandon said he got chills for that Saints intro football on the way back. Yes, right. Like that monkey who sat his tail on a railroad track. It won't be long now. Jason in Flagstaff was exp- explaining the uh, comment that Chris Brooks gave him the red rear earlier. He said, oh, Brooks was worried to death about wearing a mask because someone in the beginning said it may make it worse. <laughs> My goodness. Well, none of us really know what the heck's going on. I don't think there's anybody that's an expert, even though some of us try to sound like one. Let's see here. Oh, and that final six-game stretch that I talked about was so tough for the Saints, which, look, trust me, it's tough in that final six-game stretch and will be uh, for the Saints. Let me see if I can get it pulled back up here so I can show you exactly what it was. The final six-game stretch to finish the 2020 season. At Denver, at Atlanta, at Philadelphia, home Kansas City, home Minnesota, at Carolina. Four of the last six on the road. Three of them are three straight road games, Denver, Atlanta, Philadelphia. And oh, by the way, in between, they're going to host the world champs and a team that has had pretty doggone good luck against the Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. And so based on that, based on all that info, Unnamed texter says the in the last six, the Saints will go five and one. Ooh. Mad male person said the New York Giants have been a part of Ole Miss since the Marlboro man played quarterback. That's right, Charlie Connerly. He was the first quarterback from Ole Miss to go up there and play for the Giants, wasn't he? He sure was. So there has been a connection there for a long time. For a long time. All right. Let me let me jump in. I want you to hear what a, somebody else said about the schedule stuff other than just me. I'm sure that uh, you're more interested in that anyway. So back over. First up, this is the guy who Deuce McAllister says, outside of Drew Brees, is the unquestioned leader on the team for the Saints and certainly on the defensive side of the ball. It'd be Cam Jordan. He's talking about the Bucks having Brady and Gronk. He says, look, it's going to be tough, but guess who is still the champs of the division? When it comes down to what we want to do, what we have to do, now, you know, Buccaneers have, have sort of 
gotten what Tom Brady and Gronkowski, so they sort of you know buff, buffed up a little bit. But at the end of the day, the NFC South has been a, a hard, a hard one division. Although we've won three out the last three years. So. Uh huh. He threw that in there. It's hard, but we won three out of the last three. This interview on ESPN, more from Cam Jordan. In other words, he says the Saints are still the team to beat. I don't have to look outside. I can do. I can just know that you know the quarterback who's always been at helm since I've been playing is coming back our way. So uh, it's it's nice to know that you know our our NFC South division has gotten a lot tougher with the additions of Teddy Bridgewater going to Carolina and and Tampa Brady over <laughs> down <laughs> south uh, at the Bucks. But at the end of the day, you know we have Drew Brees. You know we we kept Taysom there we've added on Jameis Winston you know when it talks of uh, wide receiver targets we add in Emmanuel Sanders you know we drafted tight end who can learn from uh from Jared Cook uh there's nothing but positives that we've done this this draft uh we picked up an outside linebacker uh on paper I'm, I'm sort of excited all right so uh Bruce Arians head coach at Tampa in the division with the Saints they do have a lot of primetime games it's just not as early in the season they have a Midseason uh, Sunday night game at uh, Las Vegas. They have a Monday night game at the Giants. They have another Sunday night game where they will host the Saints. He says he welcomes all the prime time. Well, I love it. You know, I, I love the expectations and uh, the excitement that that brings. I think our players will enjoy it. And uh, uh, and you know, as coaches, you have to embrace it and uh, and and get ready for it. And uh, you know, I think our guys are are going to be really really excited about the season. Side note. Why is Gronkowski in Tampa right now? I didn't think it was even a possibility that he wanted to come back, and and he was adamant about, yeah, he really wants to play. You know, he'd love to play with us. Uh, so you know, Jason Light got the ball rolling with the Patriots. The conversation was there, and and uh, you know, he's he's working out. He's in great shape, and uh, he's really raring to go. So we're looking forward to getting on the practice field. Super Bowl champs. Kansas City Chiefs going to start the season on Thursday night that first week as they'll host the Texans. Andy Reid knows it's a pretty tough opener. Listen, O'Brien's done a great job there. They've got a heck of a football team, and and we respect the heck out of them. Uh, we didn't play very well to start that game, and we've got to do a better job the next time of starting faster. But I, I was proud of the guys for hanging in there. I didn't see anybody drop their heads and you know hang their heads and, and so on. They. Everybody kept a positive attitude, and we were able to turn it around. You can thank uh, the NFL Network for that interview and that early 90s pop boy band music bed. Also from the NFL Network, Bill Belichick says, hey, it's, it's no big deal. Tom's in Tampa. We've coached and won games before without him. We've played at other times, um, you know, without Tom, uh, well, it was the 09 season uh, after he was injured, played 15 games with Castle, went 11 and five or, uh, you know, heading into the, uh, the 16 season with uh, Jimmy and then uh, Jacoby uh, and Tom coming back after the, the four game suspension. So, you know, there have been other points in time where we've we've dealt with that. We'll do what we always do is try to you know, prepare the team the best that we can, utilize our, our players and um the skills that they have and put ourselves in the best position we can to, you know, to be competitive and win. And so that's, that's uh, Belichick who says he's really excited about Jarrett Stidham. Stid worked really hard last year. Um, you know, it was our backup quarterback the entire season. And uh, I know he's working hard in the off season. He's, you know, made a lot of progress, blah, blah, blah. 
This is something I want to go back to. You might have missed this. Dick Anderson, who played for those classic Miami Dolphins teams who played for Don Shula. Upon Don Shula passing away this week, Dick Anderson, his former player, did an interview, and they talked about how Shula did not respect Bill Belichick. Yeah, he uh, he calls uh, Belichick Belichick. Yeah. And um, but no, he was he was um, you know straightforward. He was this is how we got to do it, and these are the rules, and this is what we're going to follow. And so you know he just he. Uh, didn't like, I think, the um, you know people that, that didn't follow the rules. And he did. I mean, he, he was um, a man, that, we kind of laugh about it, but he'd go to Mass every morning on the way to practice. And then he'd yell at us the whole time. <laughs> he'd go to Mass every day before practice and, and yell and scream. His former player knew him very well, Don Shula, went around referring to Bill Belichick as Belichick. Don't forget, I mean, Don Shula coached against him. I didn't think that was insignificant. Thought I'd share that with you. Where's my man Gator Man, the big big Pats fan? He says TB12 is a goat. I wonder if he's on the uh, Buccaneers bandwagon now. Let's check the text line when we come back to see if we can get confirmation of that or not. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio, connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Stick around. Rolling, rolling, rolling right along with you here on this Friday in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Ryan on the country pleasing text line said, you don't think Tom Brady hadn't taken a step back? Tom Brady will be bad this year. I mean, imagine if he is. I don't know that he will be Great. I don't know that he'll play like the greatest of all time. I don't know if they'll, you know, if he'll throw for 2,500 of his 5,000 yards by completing a little out route to the slot receiver like he did in New England. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know if they'll have nearly as good a team as the ones he played on in New England. Don't know, but I think he won't. I think Tampa will be average. At best. That's what I think. And I and I I feel pretty strongly that Gronk doesn't play all 16 games. What do you think? Feel pretty good about that. So all that, you know, notwithstanding, it's gonna be interesting one way or the other. Jason in Flagstaff says, LOL, I caught that, quote, talk like an expert shot. So I'll say this. As a retired Army sergeant, 
I am an expert on this. If we are not all following federal, state, local guidelines, then the entire operation is threatened. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. That's right. People that get paid to make decisions on this kind of stuff, we have to kind of, we do have to listen. But, you know, and I will say, I know it infuriates a lot of people who are, uh, don't, don't think this way. But there's also um, an element in America, whether we like it or not, whether it goes along with what we think people ought to be doing or not, whether it makes a lot of sense or not. One of the things we do have in this country is you can do what you want to do. Now, some of it, if you go too far, to get you in jail. Some of it, if you don't go too far in Texas, it'll get you in jail. And then the governor will pay your fine and they'll release you. But in this country, we do have an element of people get to think for themselves. And I think what infuriates a lot of people sometimes is that people don't think for themselves the way we think they ought to. Ryan says Gronkowski playing eight games over or under. I'm going to go, I'll go over because I would put it somewhere about nine or ten. But I think you set it at the right place. And uh, yeah, I think it could go either way. But, I, but I'm with you on that for sure. Hey, before we leave the NFL stuff, I got some baseball thing, a couple things I want you to know. But before we get off the NFL, this was said in an interview. I think this was yesterday. I don't have a date on it. It could have been two days. No, it was yesterday. Okay. In a serious XM on NFL interview with Rich McKay. Rich McKay is the president of the Atlanta Falcons, but he's also like the chair of this, um, what I think they call it, the competition committee. So he's heavily involved with officials, tweaking rules that officials are going to apply in games, and was heavily involved with experimenting and having a rule this past year where NFL officials, because of the Saints, NFL officials would have the ability to video replay, video review, pass interference. And you remember what they did. Every officiating crew, run, tell them. Every officiating crew, all of them, even the nice ones, even the ones I know. I know some of them personally. Every officiating crew tucked their tail between their legs and did not try to enforce the rule and the spirit of the rule that it was out there and instead acted almost like a union and they shrunk and they didn't they went to video replay and they never utilized it to ever change a call they made on the field one way or the other no matter what the video showed they totally refused to do the job they signed on the dotted line and were getting paid to do because of fear and ego Every single officiating crew did that. The result is they are doing away with it now. So by shrinking and pouting and stomping their feet and refusing like a petulant child, the officials are getting what they wanted. Here's Rich McKay on the experiment. 
we knew there would be problems because your subjectivity and my subjectivity on a particular you know review of a play can easily be different. The, the fact that whether a ball was caught or not caught, we're not going to disagree. We might disagree one one in a hundred, but about ninety nine percent of the time we're going to agree because we can see it on replay. Uh, that's not true in the subjective world. Um, so I think when you when you did what we did, which was try to catch that really egregious big time play and put that standard of clear and obvious, even then I think you know you're adding a, a subjective standard to a subjective play. Bull. It's all complete bull. In my opinion, we were trying to apply something that we've always been fearful of we didn't know what it what the total outcome would be but we were always fearful of which is putting did that defensive back interfere physically with the receiver's ability to make a play on the ball while the ball was in the air it's not subjective you bag of hot air in a totally subjective play into replay uh, we have plays that involve some subjectivity but the majority of replays is objective. And what- no, the majority of the replays on television games I saw was clear when pass interference did or didn't occur. But none of those NFL officiating crews had the you-know-whats, let's just say a nicer term, the backbone or the shoulder width, to do the call based on replay, all because we're going to act like a union here and we're going to get our way instead of doing the job I'm paid to do. Their ego is so big, and that's why you had what they did in the Saints game a while back, and nothing happened to that guy, and he's still calling games. I mean by that, Bill. No more time for incompetence, and that's what you have with NFL officiating. All of it. Because of crap like that, decision makers who won't step up and just tell the truth. Switch it over to baseball. All right, we're going to have baseball. Here's a couple of things I want you to hear. Terry Francona, uh, the manager of the Cleveland Indians, there will be baseball. I think MLB really would like to try to play baseball with the caveat of when it's appropriate. And by that, you know, that means being when it's healthy when it, for the players and their families and you're not taking away from other people. Um, you know, we, we, we get on calls probably once a week with our organization and just Chris and Cherney walk us through what they know, what they don't know. And there's nothing set in stone, obviously, from baseball now. But we try to keep everybody in the loop as much as we can just because we think it works better that way. New York Yankees president. Randy Levine, games will start in Major League Baseball, many of them without fans. I think the first part is getting the plan, getting people comfortable with the health and safety aspects of the plan. Obviously, we'll start with no fans in the seats, mm-hmm. but I think you have to be able to to be practical, transfer, depending on the virus, into you know limited fans in the seats with all kind of appropriate mitigation. When the New York Yankees president is saying it, it's a good possibility you're going to have some major league games that will be played when it happens, maybe July, and there will be some without fans. It's just, and what's the difference? Heck, half the games being played out there in major league stadiums in July don't have fans either. Anyway, be easy for them to distance themselves. On this day in baseball history, a man named Butch 
Henry, a pitcher for the Houston Astros, had never gotten a hit in a major league game until he stepped to the plate on this day in 1992 against Doug Drabeck, the starter for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and for his first major league hit, this happened. Looking for his first major league hit. Butch Henry is 0 for 6. He looks like he's going to be a pretty good hitter. Slap down the left field line. Boss comes over. It gets by him. Henry has extra bases. Gonzo scores. Thomasy coming in. Henry going for third, and he is being waved home. Butch Henry is trying to score. The throw is not in time. Butch Henry with his first major league hit. Gets an inside-the-park home run. Unbelievable! A three-run inside-the-park homer. Barry Bonds narrowly missed the catch. How about that? It's the only time it's ever happened where a guy getting his first major league hit was an inside-the-park home run. It all happened because Barry Bonds came up to catch a line drive and just didn't get there in time. Ball went all the way to the wall. All right, hour two coming up. DJ, if you can hang on, I'll start off with you. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Stay with me.